Welcome to In Via, the podcast where we're navigating the pilgrimage of life. We are all in Via, on the way, and we are learning a lot as we go. I'm your host, Joan Watson. Join me as we listen to stories, discover travel tips, and learn more about our Catholic faith. Along the way, we'll see that if God seeks to meet us in Jerusalem, Rome, or Santiago, he also wants to encounter you right there in your car, on your run, or in the middle of your workday. Well, welcome back, everybody, to Invia, the podcast where we are navigating the daily pilgrimage of life. And we have kind of a special episode. We're veering away from talking about pilgrimage in general. And I'm back with John Paul, and we're going to talk a little bit about the Holy Land. So, hi, John Paul. Hello. Good morning. <laughs> um, so, I, I, you know, I think there's a lot of ways we could approach this episode, but you weren't living in South Bend this time last year. You were living somewhere else. Can you tell us a little bit about where you were and why? Yeah. And by the way, I apologize for my voice. <laughs> I sound like I just woke up. You know, actors go on without, like, whether they have a cold or not, they, they do their job. So this is you pushing forward and everyone's going to be fine with it. <laughs> Sounds great. Yeah, last year at this time, my whole family, we were living in Jerusalem, actually. And we were living on the what's called West Jerusalem. So it's the Jewish side of town. But our kids, we really wanted them to go to uh, a Christian school. Mm-hmm. So while we lived on the West side of Jerusalem, the Jewish side of town, they went to school in what's considered East Jerusalem to a Christian school that was, uh, well, primarily primarily. Uh, well, all pretty much all Arab um, Muslims, about 90% Muslim and then 10% Christian, but mainly Arabs, mainly Palestinians that went to that school. So we were, we were kind of navigating both sides of the tracks, if you will, yeah. which was really interesting because we also had a Jewish nanny for our youngest. And she kind of looked like, at us like we had five eyes <laughs> when we were told her where, what school they mm, were going to. Yeah. Can, can we speak a little bit about because I think a lot of people that would be surprising that a Christian school would be mostly Muslim. Can you speak a little bit about that for people who might not sure. be aware of the kind of demographic breakdown? Yeah. So, um, yeah, I mean, the Christian presence in the Holy land is shrinking. I mean, it's like the people are leaving in droves over the last few decades, to be honest. And so what used to be a pretty small, small minority, maybe about 2% of the country, has gotten even smaller Mm. and it's, it's, yeah, it's less than 1% now. And so, um, uh, and and when you, when you visit there, you you see, I mean, the the communities are pretty tight knit, right? So it tends to be, you know, Jewish people living with Jewish people, Muslim people living with Muslim people, Christians living with Christians people, right? They, they kind of find their homes as, as we did in the States, right? We had the same thing when people immigrated here, you had the German neighborhoods, you had the Irish neighborhoods, right? And they didn't talk to each other sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. That can be like that, uh, certainly in, in the Holy land as well. So, um, but, uh, most of the Christians who live in the Holy land are Arabs are Palestinians. Um, uh, we can get we could have, probably have a whole other episode about okay what does it mean to be Arab what does it mean to be Palestinian what does it mean to be sure. Jewish Israeli right all of these terms yeah. are very complicated terms yeah we can get into that later um, but uh, uh, like I said we we the school was ninety percent Muslim ten percent Christian um, 
but yeah, we were some of the only foreigners who would send that were at the school who are yeah. not again Arab or Palestinians. Yeah, I just think it's so important for us who are detached from this. We tend to put everybody in their little boxes, right? And so we would put Christian in a box and Muslim in a separate box and Jews in a separate box, and like it or not, we would kind of separate this out. And so I think for the majority of Americans to know that there are Christians and Muslims living side by side, that might be surprising as we're kind of just looking at the situation today um, and seeing that. And I think that's an important thing to bring out when we look at the situation today. Um, something else you said, you said that you lived on the west side of Jerusalem, and but it's in the east, the school is on the east side, but then we hear things like the West Bank. So can you kind of, for people who don't know, kind of put in perspective the geography as much as we can on an audio podcast, what, um, what that means to, like, what's the West Bank and then what's the west side of Jerusalem and why is that the Jewish side and all that good stuff? Sure, sure. So when they created the state of Israel, they also... Um, gave a certain territorial land to the Palestinians and uh, what is called, colloquially called, colloquially, <laughs> that's a mouthful, mm-hmm. um, called the West Bank. And it's named that because it's on the western bank of the Jordan River. Mm-hmm. Okay. okay. Um, and uh, again, I'm simplifying the history sure. so incredibly <laughs> much because even when they created the state, the West Bank didn't exist. So well, anyways, but... What is there today now Mm -hmm. is that kind of carved into the state of Israel is what's called the West Bank. It's under the control and and the leadership of the Palestinian Authority, okay? That's kind of the the ruling governmental body. Um, And uh, it's kind of, it's almost like the shape of a kidney bean, if you Mm -hmm. look at it on a map. Um, But it slices right through the heart of Jerusalem, actually. So, but it's very complicated because... When you look at a map, a physical map, you'll see lines there. But then when you're actually in the country, sometimes you don't know mm-hmm. you're crossing from one to the other mm-hmm. because Jerusalem as a city is all one city. But there's a kind of a, a, right now in the, in the past, it was an actual division. So at one point, the West Bank was oh, actually wow. part of Jordan. And so there's one main road coming kind of coming out from the northern gate of Jerusalem called Damascus Gate. And um, that road used to be the dividing line between Israel on the west and Jordan on the east. Uh, Now it's western Jerusalem, eastern Jerusalem. Um, And then the wall, you probably heard of the wall. There's a wall that the Israeli government has built between Israel and the West Bank. And that wall does not line up with the actual map of where right. things should be. So right. it's really complicated. Very complicated. Very complicated. Yeah. The, 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 I think the complexity of the Holy Land, that's almost an understatement to say that things are complex and complicated, which brings me to the question, why would you want to move your young, very, I mean, John Paul has young kids. Why would you want to move your family into this place that is, I mean, as we see now, it would be kind of dangerous to be living there at this moment maybe we we at least think it would be when we watch the news um i'm sure a lot of people were like jumbo what are you thinking yeah. so what were you thinking so the the re- we did it for three reasons number one uh, obviously our work so i was going to be in the holy land anyways for our work here at verso of you know, greeting pilgrims and leading groups and whatnot um in the holy land so that was that's probably the most uh, understandable reason mm-hmm. that people just kind of oh yeah that makes sense the second reason was that my wife and I, we've always wanted to take our kids abroad. 
mm. uh, and live, excuse me, live extended uh, an extended period of time abroad with our children because my wife and I both had international experiences in college and post-college and just always wanted to share that type of experience with our kids as well. We never knew when or why or, when or why or how that would happen. Mm. We just knew that we wanted to do it at some point. Yeah. And then honestly, it was like coming out of COVID, we needed something different. We needed something to look forward to yeah. a little bit. And wow. so all of those things just kind of coalesced and we looked at each other and we said, well, why not? Why not now? <laughs> right. Our kids are younger. They, they're not in high school yet. They didn't have, you know, all of these kind of commitments that would tie them down. Sure. And so they were kind of the right ages. Uh, my wife wasn't pregnant at the time, so it wasn't like, hey, we got to worry about a new baby coming into the world or anything. So they just hit this perfect spot and we said, okay, well, wow. we better do it now before it's too late. Yeah, I love it. I love it. What what was perhaps the most surprising thing? I mean, I think we can all we can all see that like living there would be amazing and like the encountering with these holy sites that you'd visited many times before, but now you were living there and you could just go to the Holy Sepulchre whenever you wanted. And what was perhaps the most surprising aspect that you weren't expecting about spending that time there? Yeah, I could think of a few things, but I think I think the most surprising part, maybe this sounds like a little bit of a cop out, but just how complex that place is. Yeah. So, I mean, having visited there, you hear the stories, you know the history, you know the complexity of like, okay, the, the three major monotheistic religions lay claim to Jerusalem, right? And then you live, the, again, you visit there, you can see it, you can see the conflict, you can kind of feel it almost. You can, but at, at the same time, it's a beautiful place and, and you meet all these beautiful people with all this rich history and culture and faith and all this stuff. And then when you live there, it only, to me, it only heightened those feelings of mm. like, wow, like you could spend, and people do, right? You can spend an eternity you know, living yeah. here and trying to figure things out and understand um, all the different kind of cultures and histories and stories and people that have lived there and laid claim to this spot. Mm. And, um, uh, you know, again, you, you could, you can spend as much time as you want trying yeah. to figure things out, let's call it. Yeah. And you still won't comprehend everything. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, so just so many layers, whether it's just, you know, whatever kind of, um, area that you dive into, whether mm -hmm. it's history or faith or sociology or mm. anthropology or whatever whatever discipline you want to dive into in yeah. the holy land you could take a deep dive and and just yeah there's so much to learn and to experience and to know um such a richness and a beauty but complicated and difficult to understand at times um so just a very very complex place yeah it's just fascinating to think about this tiny little plot of land. I mean, it's tiny. It, it, I mean, thinking about the, you know, even the United States, right? It's little. And um, it's for so often it was like the backwoods, like the backwater. Like, why would God give this plot of land to the people? And now it's become the most complex and the, the most desired piece of land in the entire world. And it's just, it's, it's, it, yeah, I don't even have anything to say about that. It's just fascinating and <laughs> complex. And it's where the word became flesh and it's where Christ walked and it's anointed and it's holy and it's blessed. And it's just, it's, but it's 
divided and it's just so, yeah. Um, how, how was living there, you know, as we look at the situation right now in the war and how, you know, as Americans, I think we're so limited because first of all, we don't have any concept of, of history and ancient history and land and we move around at will, right? We don't have any, most of us don't have ties to our, our home the way, you know, that culture does. So we live in a different culture, a different time, a different place. We're so limited, I think, in understanding what's happening over there. How did living there, like, what's your view now looking at that place? Because you can see it with different eyes than the average American. Um, and what are you, what are your thoughts? thoughts i guess other than it's really complicated <laughs> yeah yeah well I, I will i will lead by saying I'm, I'm certainly not an expert i'm not an academic i'm not a reporter I, I don't stay up with the news and i mean i do i follow the news right now but um I, i'm not an expert in this situation at all sure. so i do want to say that from the beginning because um uh you know i also don't want to speak from a place of you know not knowing what i'm speaking about sure with that being said, I think I do know more than probably the average American, as you asked. Yeah. Um, having lived there and having worked there and met people um, who live there and work there and all of this. Um, and so, again, I, I think, you know, I come back to how complex the situation is. And when you when you watch the news, when you, you hear about... I mean, even when you hear about these protests that are going on currently, either on both sides, right? right. You know, there are people who are pro-Israel, there are people who are pro-Palestinians, there are people who um, are, sit on both sides, and it's, it, it is, it's difficult for me to watch because I can understand both sides of the coin, yeah. right? And, you know, on the one hand, the, the, the simplistic argument is, okay, right now Israel is just defending itself from terrorists, yeah. which is 100% true, right? Who, who would ever want to experience what those poor people in the kibbutzes experienced and yeah. those and those young people at the rave experience like that nobody should ever you know it's unfathomable it's what yeah. that the terrorists yeah. did in that situation right on the other side of the coin you see what's happening right now in gaza and you go okay uh who who should be starved from food and water basic yeah. supplies of daily living yeah. how is that at all humane in any way shape or form yeah right and um when you when you reduce this conflict to such simple realities it's yeah. very easy to be on one side or the other yeah and um but it's not that simple yeah. right um i think one of the best ways that well you know a simple idea that people point to which is true which is you know Hamas does not equal Palestinian, right? Right, right. And that's uh, one one part of the equation that sometimes gets lost a little bit. Yeah. Um, and so, anyways, that's all to say it's such a complex yeah. issue. It's hard to be um, kind of on one side or the other, and it's kind of hard to be on both sides too. Yeah. So it's it's so difficult when you know something happens and we start paying attention for the first time. And we have no context, right? And so what happened is is an atrocity, right? Like that's, but it also didn't come out of nowhere. And I think it's hard to even find words to say, well, this isn't an isolated event on both sides, right? It's not the first time that Hamas has done something awful. It's also not um, the first time the Palestinians have been um, 
have been persecuted in a sense. And, and you, you, like people jump all over you for even saying those words. Right. And so it's really, you have to be so careful in your, in your language. But I mean, you mentioned the wall earlier. I didn't know the wall existed before I went to Israel. Nobody mentioned the wall, much less the fact that it's not following the UN border. Right. It's like, what's the wall? What do you, what do you mean that these people have checkpoints? Right. And so I think it's hard when something happens and America begins, the average American begins to pay attention and be like, well, this didn't come out of nowhere. This isn't an isolated event. So let's talk about the greater history. And it's a complex history. And so most of us don't have the attention span to even begin to think about it. And and so it can get really frustrating having a conversation about it. I also think it was interesting. Um, one of my coworkers, Jenna here at Verso, we went to a talk a few months ago where um, the man spoke about the Vatican decree saying that, you know, when we speak about the state of Israel, it's not synonymous with Judaism either, right? So just like Hamas isn't synonymous with Palestine, we can't say that. State of Israel is not synonymous with Judaism. And so if we criticize the state of Israel for something that doesn't equal anti-Semitism, which is a sin and, and, and atrocity and has led to, you know. So I think there's just, like we've been saying, complex is probably going to be in the title of the, the podcast episode because it's just, it's a hard discussion to have when people have very passionate thoughts about things they don't really know everything about. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think it, I think it just contributes so much to our current culture, which is, you know, short expense, short attention spans, you know, our, our, our media outlets, our, our social media influences just tries to reduce everything to a 30 second clip. Yeah. Right. And what's going to get the most eyeballs, what's going to get the most attention and, you know, complex nuanced arguments about things we're not very good at it yeah we're just not good at it people don't you know it's yeah I I think so what I'm trying to get at I think partly too is I I think back to our faith and what does our faith teach us and uh, I think one of the things is you know in our Christian faith in the Catholic worldview we have the ability to hold two things which seemingly seem Mm. like logically opposite or Mm. contradictory we can hold those two things together and understand yeah. that they're true. Mm. So, for instance, you know, we believe in the incarnation. We believe that, you know, God became man and in some way, shape or form, he's both fully human and fully divine. Yeah. Right. Mm. So if you reduce that to a math problem, it'd be one plus one equals one, <laughs> which doesn't make sense. Yeah. Right. Logically. But our faith teaches us that both of those things can be held together and they can both be true at the same time. Yeah. Um, and uh, again, it's not a it's not a great analogy, but it's my best way to understand that you know you can look at this this the current situation. You can look at the the people and the land and the uh, of the Holy Land, and you can understand that it, it is so beautiful. I think that's one of the things that I just look back at my time there and I think how beautiful of a place this was. Just mm. such beauty and richness and inspiring and you know. Um, Again, just, you know, beauty is the word that comes to mind because it was just so, so beautiful. Mm-hmm. At the same time, it's the place that where such violence and mm-hmm. hatred and, um, yeah, just yeah. unthinkable tragedies have happened and are yeah. continuing to happen. And that, you know, again, how do you hold these two things uh, together, yeah. right? How can the place be so beautiful, but yet so tragic at the same time? Yeah. And, uh, I just, I just trust that God is working through all of this, that somewhere the Holy Spirit is within this and um and that someday there could truly be peace in jerusalem yeah 
it's the te- that tension and we don't like to live in tension we don't like to live with paradox and and that's and i think only christianity is okay with paradox and only christianity is okay living in that tension whether it's the problem of evil or the incarnation or the you know we and i think that's the difficulty for peace in jerusalem is it must involve christians because only we have this idea um of how to love an enemy, right? This this tension of loving the enemy, this tension of I mean, even when you spoke spoke about the incarnation, you think of the Trinity, right? Three persons in one God. How can three be one? You know, that's not in Islam. There's no idea of of the three being one in Islam. For them, it's all unity and one, one, one. So if we're going to talk about a divided city living in peace, only Christianity can really wrap their minds around how this division can also re- result in peace. And I think the danger right now in the Holy Land is that Christianity is getting pushed out. Christians are getting pushed out. And I think, I mean, the popes have said it for for decades. Christianity is the key to peace in the Holy Land because only we know how to love an enemy. Um, So it'll be, yeah, it's, we have to pray. And I guess that's, as we wrap up this episode, I guess I would ask you, um, what would you say to the average American? Um, You know, we can't, we can't go over there and solve the problem. And the problem, like you said, it, it's it's even living there, it, it was more complex than you thought. And you're, we're not experts. And what would you say to someone who's listening to this and thinking, well, what can I do? And what? how can I help? Or what would be your advice? Yeah, I think my advice would be just to, you know, seek out trusted sources of information, um, you know, don't jump to conclusions, right? So I, I, I point to, you know, all the drama that's happening currently on college campuses, mm-hmm. which, again, have, have, you know, people are so quick to judge everything that's happening, you know, so, um, uh, what was it, Harvard or Yale? Which, which school was it? That I, wrote, yeah. I forget the, you know, one of the Ivy Leagues, okay. Yeah, so they, you know, students wrote this pro-Palestinian, um, uh, paper and it was all about how stayed this you know the Israelis should be blamed for what Hamas did to them because yeah. of the history of the conflict there yeah. which again was was I don't think personally think that was the right I get where they were going but it was a, a flawed argument let's call it right but also then the backlash from that was you know people like people who signed the letter people um you know, their names and images and like, you know, their their names and images were posted on like throughout the city of like a white list of like, you know, don't hire this student because yeah. they signed this letter. And, you know, people had job offers rescinded and all this stuff and all this drama and the backlash. And, you know, you could argue whether that's deserved or not deserved. But at the same time, like to again, to take a college student who maybe knows what's going on, but probably doesn't really know right. what's going on. It's probably just their friend, like, hey, sign this petition. Right. And you're just like, okay, sure, whatever. I'm in college and I'm just going to support right. my friend. Right. You don't really know what you're signing. Mm. To then have people, you know, to have, you know, my name, you know, if I sign that letter and then have it, you know, on, on some list on the internet somewhere of like, yeah. you know, you know, uh, to, to be, to be, um, again anyways it's it just it it saddens me to to see all of this in the world and yet people on both sides don't truly understand you're just jumping to conclusions you're just jumping on the bandwagon you're 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 blaming people and and shouting at one another and and then truly not listening to one another not like understanding the whole full picture so this is a long way i'll get off my soapbox but a long way to like you know kind of take everything with a grain of salt a little bit and like 
you know, it's an emotional situation and, you know, it's, it's a little bit like kind of take a step back, try to learn what's going on, you know, learn the other side of both sides. You can, in, in a lot of ways, be on both sides of this yeah. conflict, um, yet still also criticize what's going on on both sides too. Right. That makes sense. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Um, and I, I would encourage people to kind of seek out like the Christians that are living over there. Um, you know, whether it's on social media, there, there's a lot out there. There's a Catholic parish in Gaza, right? And you can see what's happening there. You can, I mean, there's a video online of them praying the rosary when the airstrikes happened and like, make sure that you know, um, where your Christian brothers and sisters are and what they're, they're going through. Um, you know, there's a maternity hospital in Bethlehem that's keeping people updated about what's happening. They're the only maternity hospital available to Palestinians and to, to Muslims at this time in Bethlehem. And so just to kind of seek out, remember, like seek out where are the Christians and what are they suffering through? Um, and to pray for them during this time. Um, Anything else you'd like to add or say as we kind of wrap up this very complex <laughs> episode? Yeah, I would agree with that. I think prayer, prayer, you know, all things can be done with God's help, right? Yeah. And so I think prayer is certainly um, something that I've, I, I've been doing a lot of to pray for peace um, and yeah. just praying for all the people there that are suffering again on all sides of the issue. You know, I have, again, I have Israeli friends, I have Palestinian friends and they're all suffering. No, yeah. nobody's winning from this conflict, mm, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, pray for peace. Pray for that. Yeah. Um, one of my favorite churches in the Holy Land is Dominus Flavi, where Christ wept over Jerusalem, and um, I just love being in that that church because the um, the skyline of Jerusalem. If you're kneeling at the altar, the skyline's like right on the altar of of the church, and it just always reminds me that that's the only thing that's going to change anything, right? Is, is prayer is taking it to the Lord. Um, and so we pray for, for everyone over there. Um, you know, we pray for the conversion of Hamas, right? I mean, that's, it's as Christians, we pray for everyone, even our enemies. And so to pray for everyone, um, who is suffering and, um, you know, undergoing something that is very foreign to us, I think sitting here in, you know, in America. So, well, thank you, John Paul. Thanks thank you for, for having me. Thanks for the, the conversation. And thank you, listeners. Um, if you know someone who needs to hear this episode or would, would um, benefit from this episode, please share it with your friends and family. Continue to pray for those in the Holy Land and those trying to help those in the Holy Land. And uh, tune in for our next episode. God bless. <laughs>